Trying to find a compromise between two things is something that people do every day. When the decision is choosing what to wear in the morning, the outcome is a little less significant compared to reconciling between two seemingly opposing sides of one's life. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, podcast editor for The Plainsman. This week, we're talking to people about just that, trying to reconcile some aspect of what they do or who they are that may not seem to work with something else. To start us off, multimedia editor Trice Brown talks with an Auburn student involved in two organizations on seemingly opposing sides of Auburn's culture. Stay with us. Hey, this is Evan Melins, online editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Jadelle Frazier, Senior in Computer Engineering, is the president of Emerge, Auburn's student leadership organization. It's popular on campus, it's marketed to students during Camp War Eagle, and it's mostly white and Greek. Jadelle is neither of those two things. By basically all accounts, it's a traditionally Auburn program, even if it's not been around very long. As president, Jadel leads the executive team and represents the organization to donors and staff. It's a much different role than the ones they previously held, as it's less curriculum and participant focused. But it's also given me a lot more exposure into, you know, student involvement as a whole and by extension student affairs and and just like where staff at the university and and where power structures lie, things like that. more direct exposure to those things. Their leadership at Auburn also extends to activism beyond the university's reach. Last summer, they went to a Black Lives Matter protest in Auburn. And so a lot of us as students wanted to act in some way, um, wanted to put on a protest of our own. Um, Mm -hmm. So we came together and organized and then did that. But um, And out of that group kind of came... um, a smaller group who, you know, rose to actually planning that. Um, so that required uh, just a, a lot more strategizing, um, planning things like safety, um, you know, coordinating with mm-hmm. donations, stuff like that. Uh, and then we decided that we wanted this to have longevity. We wanted the, there to be kind of more of a home for um, not just protests, but for just anyone who wanted to make a difference on the front of, racial equity and wanted to do that independently of the university. Um, so we formed Auburn Students and Community for Change. So okay. Auburn Students and Community for Change. They were a founding member, and they said it was the first place where they found the satisfaction that they had been seeking and emerge in other organizing groups on campus. In this environment, though, their relationship with the administration is different. When they are in Emerge, the administration is friendlier, given the advertisement of Emerge to incoming freshmen. When they are with Auburn Students and Community for Change, which is not affiliated with the university in any way, it's a different experience. When we spoke with Jadell, Auburn Students and Community for Change had just published their demands for racial equity, which Auburn President Jay Guz responded to in his message to students on March 8th. Here's part of what he said, quote, Many of the items they suggest are already underway or in the planning stages with the Presidential Task Force, 
and the others will be considered and discussed with senior leadership in the task force. As I shared with them, I do not agree with their characterization of the actions or motives of the Auburn leadership, all whom care deeply about the institution and its students, faculty, and staff. I empathetically stated that there has been no attempt from Auburn's senior leadership nor the task force to deceive, exploit, or abuse black and POC students, staff, faculty, and alumni. How does it, like, in general feel to transition from this space as, like, where you're president and where of immersion, you're very involved with the university, to this outside space that's trying to get in. Um, mm. Like, do you feel like, are you, do you feel like you're switching between modes? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's very interesting in the, in the different ways that you're treated as, uh, uh, particularly as a, as a Black student who's kind of playing the script or, you know, being digestible, I guess by, you know, doing student involvement, by being a representative of the university. Um, and anytime that you challenge the power structures of the university, you do it through the university's given avenues. There, there's a very specific way that you're treated then. And it's a, it's a very, you know, we're, we appreciate that you're here. It's, um, we, we want you to be here because um, for an, a number of other reasons, but also because it, it looks good for us to have black students here and for us to keep nodding while you speak and things like that. Um, mm. But that looks very different when you are a black student organizing with other black students or black non-students um, who, uh, you know, don't want to do things the university's way um, because we recognize that the university's way is laden with white supremacy tactics like, um, you know, wasting students' time, um, exploiting students' labor, um, silencing voices, things like that. Another difference between these two groups is their power structure. Jadel said, Emerge talks a lot about different leadership structures, but Auburn, all the way down to Emerge, is built upon old power hierarchies. Jadel is the president of Emerge, there is an executive board, there are team leaders, then there are participants. An Auburn community for change is much more horizontally structured and shared amongst its members. Before Jadell was the president of Emerge, they were the vice president of Curriculum. Through that role, they were able to write curriculum that encouraged Emerge members to think more about equity and justice and also about power structures and systems thinking. And I was bringing that to an audience of, you know, mostly white, mostly Greek, um, Auburn students who probably weren't thinking about those things already, or at least definitely weren't being um, challenged to do so in other spaces. This is a part of Emerge that was very attractive to them, as a space where they can empower and have an influence on other students, developing them into leaders. But there's a limit to that, obviously, because it's still Auburn's campus, and it's still under student involvement. So um, uh, instead of being, you know, under those power structures that I'm criticizing, to Mm -hmm. be able to enter a space where I'm, you know, forming that power structure on its own, forming that leadership on its own, and we were able to make it, you know, a horizontal power structure. We were able to, or horizontal leadership structure, rather. We were able to um, divest from and, and avoid replicating the, the power structures that were avoiding us from, you know, making the change that we wanted to make. Um, so, so in that way, I was, I was getting to, I was getting to see the implementation of, of things that I wasn't able to in, in other spaces like Emerge. Groups like ASAP and Auburn Students and Community for Change have let Jadell do what Emerge wasn't built to do, 
to implement horizontal power structures and criticize the university from certain angles. But it's not like the university explicitly told them what can and cannot be said. But as an organization, Emerge represents the university. It's mostly white, Greek, and isn't as much a platform for the kind of black student organizing they are involved in. There, there's just a culture that's formed in, in Auburn and in student involvement in general. Yeah. It's uh, in part a culture of complacency. It's a, it's a culture of um, not saying the things that need to be said um, that are under the surface. When Jadell first joined Emerge, it was their first safe space on the university because of the black staff and black students who created the space before them where people were talking, researching, and educating about systemic racism while giving a space for others to do so as well. It was the first space on campus where, you know, um, people did introductions with pronouns and things like that as well. Um, so it was a safe space in that, in that regard. Um, and it's not that I wasn't aware of things like the institutional racism at Auburn, but it is that I, and I think many other students also, I think student involvement is kind of presented as your opportunity to make a change. Um, and so it's, it feels like a form of like naiveness, looking back on it now, is um, just, just wanting to go into that space and, and thinking that that, that was my um, best avenue for making change. And it is in one regard, right? Um, because, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't take it lightly that I'm the president of SAO at Auburn um, and that I get to like force that culture moving on. But I realized more and more, um, or have realized or been, awake, been made aware of more and more, that there are things that need to be criticized outside of the structure. There are things that like meetings and, or meetings hosted by Auburn rather, and things like that can't fix. And there's like collective power that needs to be built and independent of the institution so that we can hold it accountable. So we've talked with Jadell about the ways their involvement around Auburn differs in all these ways, but we really haven't gotten around to the main question. Do they feel like their spaces for leadership and activism conflict? You're within these like two very different environments and you're trying to, like, does it feel like, like, do you feel like you're in like a space that's like conflicting or do you think that they work together in an interesting way? Do they work against each other? Or do you even think that like that can be answered broadly? Mm -hmm. If that's even an answerable question, I'm not even sure at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they, at least, they, they do conflict in some ways that I've already talked about, right? And like their differences in um, structure and, and values and things like that. And that um, emerge regardless of like, no matter how many good conversations are held there or how much positive change is, is there, that's still an organization that's under Auburn University, which is built on land that doesn't belong to us and that, you know, has exploited black students in its history that didn't have women at its school for a long time that, you know, things like that. So yeah, in that, in that way that they, they conflict. Um, and I think they also conflict in the way that um, they try to address problems, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because Auburn and student involvement like recognizes that racism is an issue, obviously, um, and recognizes that Auburn has done a poor job at addressing that issue. I, I don't think that's the question there. Um, 
but the solution that Oxford would put forth wouldn't truly like challenge uh, the the history or structures that are existing at Auburn. Yeah. It's not that the university, through Emerge, is unwilling to talk about racism, Jadell said, but rather it's not willing to challenge its own history and relationship to racism, like Wallace Hall, which was named after Alabama Governor George Wallace, who supported segregation. Instead, we see, you know, things like what President Gooch said or um, things like the um, listening sessions that he hosted where, um, you know, a lot of Black students voiced concerns that they've been voicing for a long time and then nothing really came out of that. Or the presidential task force where, um, you know, this task force was created and students felt dismissed on the, the basis of their identities and the very Black students that it was supposed to serve eventually, you know, left. Yeah, Auburn addresses those things in in ways that continue to produce harm against Black students, even in trying to, to end that harm. But community organizing um, allows people to form new structures of leadership, allows people to, um, and it, it's based in community, right? It's based in relationships. Mm-hmm. So even as we, we do everything together, we are ensuring that we're not reproducing harm. We're ensuring that we're, we are all educating each other. So we've talked about a student whose activism and involvement on campus conflict in some ways. But now we're going to talk to somebody whose identity and religious affiliation would seemingly conflict. Thomas Joyner is a priest at St. Dunstan's Episcopal Church and also openly gay. And while it's easy to assume there would be some internal or external conflict, Joyner regards his relationship with religion as a positive experience. You know, we all live with contrasts. You know, all of us, if, if you if you really sit down and, and want to define everybody by some sort of subculture that they belong to, we're, we're all some huge Venn diagram of lots of subcultures we belong to. We are complicated people, and we're, we're a mass of of contradictions, um, days when we're good, sweet, and smart, and we get it, and days when we're petty and selfish and difficult. Despite his life now, religion has not always played a big role in Joyner's life. We were churchgoers of a, um, of a Methodist church, but I was never really active. We were, we didn't, certainly weren't regular attenders, um, and it really wasn't until Almost my senior year in high school, uh, certainly when I went off to college, that I, I became interested in the church. But no, for much of my life, church was not a big part of, of growing up. Joyner says that his pathway to religion was the result of an amalgamation of things as opposed to one life-changing event. My journey um, through religion has been, has been more like the Israelites wandering 40 years in the wilderness than Paul getting a blinding revelation on the road to Damascus. There's no one triggering thing that I could point to and say, this is it. It's been more of a series of starts and am am I going in the right direction? And uh, trusting and hoping and grumbling and kicking and screaming. That's been more my religious journey than... After getting his bachelor's degree and then his master's in philosophy he became interested in becoming ordained after his peers at the time suggested it, and he thought, why not? There is an Episcopal seminary in New York City, and as I was um, trying to think of 
there are a number of Episcopal seminaries across the country, but, but part of what drew me there was, um, you know, the seminaries there in Manhattan, and when, when in my life would I ever get to live in Manhattan and not have to try to pay what it costs to live in Manhattan? I, I could live at the seminary. And again, it's, it's that, that sense of exploration. Why not go to New York? This is a great chance, an opportunity. Um, and also, you know, as someone who was gay, I knew New York City opened up a lot of, a lot of possibilities for social life that I never experienced in Alabama. Let's, let's go explore. Let's see what's out there. Let's, let's try it out. While in high school, Joyner says he was always very much aware of his sexuality, but during that time, the idea of coming out and being gay was never talked about. He had always been confident and didn't care about others' opinions, though. But it, it was not something you really talked about um, if, if you weren't. And I was a little more self-confident than most of my peers. Like, I, I've always been the sort of the kid that I don't, I don't care what you think about me. If you don't like it, fine, whatever. Um, but, but still, I mean, this was the 80s. You, it just wasn't something you talked about. Obviously, Joyner faced some resistance in his pursuit towards a religious education, but not only from one side, he said. There are always going to be people that, that, um, that think you're violating what's very clear in the Bible. They, they don't understand uh, how, how you can be a part of a church that lets you do that. But, you know, I had friends on the other side who were gay who, who, would, who would say, why... Why on earth are you going to work for the church? Why are you going to be part of the like you're going you're going to be part of the problem? And so you encounter it on both sides because again everybody's got their narrative. Like either either the the church is is this pure thing and you're sullying it by by being gay in it, um, or the church is the demon and and you're selling out to the demon. And neither is true. Um, the church has, has never been this pure institution, um, but it's not the devil either. It's, it's done wonderful, wonderful things that have helped generations of people. Um, it, it, it helps provide meaning and mm. purpose. Um, it, it's easy like any institution, um, certainly any, any institution run by people. As sexuality and religion can both be extremely defining aspects of one's life, it can be just as difficult to feel like you belong in a church environment. I, I think there are a lot of people who really deep down, they would, they would like to go to church. They would like to, they would like to believe that God loves them. And, and they, again, you just get this predominant narrative that, oh, that's, that's a sin. That's wrong. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, signing off. See you next week.